Well, good morning. It's always uh, good to see you and good to, to be with you. Um, there's, uh, this has been a, a very interesting few uh, days. Um, I'm a teacher in this Rochester City School District, and if you've seen the news at all, you know the turmoil that they've gone through, um, that we've gone through. A number of my colleagues are going to be left without jobs uh, at the beginning of next year, and, um, and it's just, just a very tense um, time. Uh, we had a half day at, at school, and uh, some of the kids were worried about whether their teachers, we weren't touched that much at the middle school level, but our elementary teachers were, and some of the most pivotal people in the, the school were. And so just, uh, would you pray? Would you pray for us um, going back into school? There's a lot of anger out there. Um, among uh, the staff and the faculty and, um, and a lot of just not seeing and a lot of, of hope being gone. And it's kind of interesting that um, when we signed on to speak today, the one scripture that God gave to me talked about hope. And uh, little did I know that we would be in a time when so many of the people that I know are, are now have a waning hope. Uh, and I thought about hope on the way in um, I didn't see that they were closing uh, 390 where I get on. And so it was like, all right, I'll go through the back way and I hope I get there in time. And so I went over to Howard to um, Henschley to Pixley. Now I have a gift. Uh, my gift is that if I need to be somewhere, a train will be there. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I'm driving, I'm getting up there and I'm getting close, and there's no sign of a train. And I said, all right, this is great. And about 50 feet, that light turn comes on, no turn on red, and then the flashing lights came. And then I'm sitting there saying, I hope I get there on time. <laughs> and so we sat there through this very long train. And, um, and I see it's coming to the end. And I look at my clock, and I says, I'll get there on time. When that one was almost done, another one pulled up right beside it. Um, a full five minutes waiting for the trains to come by. And, but I'm here, and I'm glad to be here. <laughs> um, so let's, let's pray. Father, thank you again um, for your presence among us. Would you speak to us? Um, take your word. Um, Holy Spirit, Master Teacher, teach us. What is it that you want us to know? What is it that you want us to do as a result of it? Would you work that in our lives today in Jesus' name? Amen. So we're going to be looking at a few verses in Colossians chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 24. Um, sometimes when you're around people, um, especially those who don't know the Lord, and, and you look at the, the news, and you see the things around us, people begin to wonder if there is any hope. Um, when, you, when you look at the circumstances that we're in, um, is there any hope? And, and when it seems like your hope is realized in one area, then another thing comes up and you begin to wonder about it. And, and for many in the world, things are hopeless. And, you know, poverty is still there, homelessness is still there. Um, turmoil, violence, all of these things are still in our world and people are wondering about hope. And, and Paul was writing to uh, the church um, at Colossae and beginning at verse four, 
He says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking or left behind in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church. And when I look at that, that's not one of my favorite verses. Um, now I rejoice in my sufferings. Uh, sufferings come. Uh, Jesus actually said uh, that in this world you will suffer persecution, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. In the Sermon of, on the, of the Mount, he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. You see, see, it's your presence, you're persecuted, but you have hope because of the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Then he says, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so persecuted they uh, persecuted the prophets who were before you. Again, he says, rejoice and be glad. Why? Because you have a hope. You have a hope. And this hope here says your reward is great in heaven. And so this world does not hold all there is for me. Your present circumstances is not what you're going to be. You need and I need to have hope. And so Paul goes on, he says, uh, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. Why? To make the word of God fully known. And I'm thoroughly convinced that the only way the world will ever have hope is if the word of God is made fully known to the people around us. Anyone here like a good mystery? You like a good mystery? I don't. I don't. I want to know what's going to happen before I delve into something. Uh, give me a book that has mystery, and within 15 minutes, I'm in the last chapter. I want to see what's going to be happening in that book. Give me a movie. And, I, and, I, and if I heard that, that movie, and so I don't, there are two reasons, well, three reasons why I don't go to the movies. One is that there's not a lot of good stuff out there. Um, and two is that I don't like having to anticipate something that I don't know what's going on. And three, I refuse to pay for a nap. Um, and that almost always happens. You put me in a dark room in a comfortable chair, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to sleep. So, uh, but if I get the movie after it comes out and I'm looking at it and it seems intense, I go all the way to the last scene. And I say, what happened? What is going to happen there? And, and I see, it. and then I can enjoy. People say, oh, you can't enjoy it. Oh, yes, you can. If you know what's going to happen, then you can figure out the plot as you go along. Well, Paul talks about mystery. In verse 26, he says, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. And, and that's what mystery is in the New Testament. It talks about something that's been hidden for a long time. And, and what does God, he doesn't want us left in the dark, but he wants the mystery, the things that have been hidden for so many years, so many generations to be revealed, who? To his saints. Because when you, when you talk with non-believers, when you talk with those who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, <clears throat> the things that we hope for don't make sense to them. Paul even said, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But for us, it's the power of God. And, and so people don't understand. And, and sometimes, and I look at it, and I said, 
Without the Spirit of God teaching us, how could you understand these things that God has said in his word? You can't. And that's why they do seem foolish. And I think outside of Christ, when I look at some of the things, look at the Old Testament, read some of the amazing um, accounts of history that happened back then, and you were saying, this could never happen. And sometimes you, you see things written uh, about the Word of God by non-believers, and they mock them because they're foolishness to them. But God is, was willing to make known those mysteries, those hidden things, to us who are his children. Because he didn't want us out there still looking like we were foolish and looking like his word was foolish. When I think about these hidden things, almost half of the billion, seven billion people living in our world have yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so all these things are still a mystery to them. Uh, two of the apps that I have on, well, one of the is an app, Operation World. Um, Operation World um, just goes, I had the book years ago, and I would pray day by day um, through different parts of the world. And, and most of those parts of the world, people had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and there, there are few believers in those areas. Uh, one of the mission families that uh, we support at Journey Christian Church is in an area that we can't write about. Um, we write about them in code because they're in a country where they can't openly share their faith. Um, they're sharing it. They're sharing it in, in, in ways that don't bring attention to them. People are coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior um, in, in good numbers in those places, but they're still in those governments. Um, a, a, if it's not an open law, because some of them say you have the freedom of religion, just don't practice it in open. Um, and, and I'm not even sure if there will be a day when they'll be asking that of us. And these countries, and so I, I read through, through Operation World, I, I get a, a notice on my phone um, each day of who we're praying for. Right now we're praying for the United States. And I say, well, that sure is um, something that we need to be doing right now. Um, because this isn't the country that very many of you remember growing up in, no matter how young you are. <laughs> it's just not there. And, and the, the other one is you know, that I, I get an email from on a daily basis is Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, there are people whose lives are at stake every day because they refuse to deny Jesus Christ. Why? Because they know the mystery of the gospel and, and they know how it's changed their lives. And, and there are brothers and sisters around the world who are saying, I am willing to give my life so that others may have their mystery revealed to them. And so he says in verse 27, this, this mystery that God revealed to his saints, he says, to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. And here are the words, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And, and, and I love word searches. And, and so I looked up the word hope. Um, it's a word that means an expectation. Um, usually to anticipate with, a, with, a, with pleasure, usually with pleasure. It's confidence, it's faith, it's hope. Um, Thayer in, in his dictionary says, um, it's an expectation of good. In the Christian sense, joyful and confident expectation of external salvation. Or hope, and having hope, the author of hope, or he who is the foundation, the thing hoped for. It's not wishful thinking. Uh, um, I, I hope I wish I win the lottery. That's wishful thinking. 
um, hoping that my Eagles win the Super Bowl this year is beyond wishful thinking. And, um, and I won't say anything about the, whole, the, the, the local team because you still have hope. Um, but some of you think, you know what, they've, they've disappointed us before. I, I would hope in this, but there's disappointment there. That's not real hope. Uh, real hope says I have confidence based on what? Based on God's track record. He has never failed. He's never let us down. He's never gone back on his word. He's always done what he says he was going to do. And, and so when, when Paul talks in this 27th verse, he says the riches and glory of this mystery is Christ in you. And he says he's the hope of glory. And for a couple of months, I've been, been, been meditating on it and looking at it and reading about, you know, what does he mean, the hope of glory? So we start with it with a definition. Um, in, in a wide application, it's dignity, it's glory, it's honor, it's praise, it's worship. Uh, Thayer says um, it's an opinion, an estimate. In the New Testament, always a good opinion concerning one, resulting in praise, honor, and glory. And he goes on to say, glory is splendor and brightness, magnificence, excellence, preeminence, dignity, grace. It's majesty. And he says, glory is a thing belonging to God. It's the kingly majesty which belongs to him as supreme ruler. Majesty in the sense of the absolute perfection of deity. I, I like that. And so Christ is the hope of glory. Sometimes, I remember when, when I was young and growing up in church and when people talked about glory, they talked about their future and being with the Lord forever. That's glory. And there's a hope for that glory. And it's in the person, Jesus Christ. The hope is not in me because there are times when I fail me. And I can't imagine those around me who think that at some times I've failed them. I wanted to see what others uh, said about this, this hope of glory. And, and one writer says, the hope of glory is the fulfillment of God's promise to restore us and all creation. If you read in Romans chapter 8 and, and 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, this hope is not wishful thinking, but a confident, expectant, joyful knowledge that we are being changed by God. And one day we'll see Christ face to face, having been conformed to his image. The hope of glory includes our resurrection. The word says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. It includes a heavenly inheritance. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never change, spoil or fade, the inheritance that is in heaven kept for you. It's in 1 Peter 3, 1, 3 through 4. And so Christ's presence in us is the hope of glory. And this truth is full of glorious riches. Our once dead, darkened spirits are made alive. Christ is in our hearts. And we know that there is life beyond this earthly existence, a life that will be glorious beyond all imagination. The hope for this is living in us, in the person of Jesus Christ. As I was going through this, and I looked at that just little prepositional phrase, in you, and I just looked it up. 
And, and just in the New Testament, the, the, the many times that uh, the writers, especially John and Paul, use the, fra- the phrase, in you. And it talks about Christ being in you, the word being in you, the spirit being in you. That blows my mind. Because in the book of Colossians, it says that it pleased God that all the fullness of the Godhead reside in the body of Jesus Christ. And then it says Christ resides in me. That's amazing. In me, God? Yeah, yeah, in you. So Paul says um, that Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, is in you. Do you know what that means to the world around us? That when you go to school, uh, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. That on your jobs, Christ is taken on your job. And when I, when I hear that, I remember uh, being in a youth group and some of the older kids who were looking to see how much can I get away with and still be a Christian. And I remember the, the youth leader um, saying, you know what, Christ is in you. So wherever you go, you take Christ with you. Someone says, well, can we go to parties in our neighborhood? He says, what you need to know is that if you're going to that party, you're taking Christ to that party with you. Um, If you decide that you're going to go to that establishment that has these things happening, you're taking Christ with you. You cannot leave him at the door and tell Jesus, well, you won't feel comfortable in here, so I'm going to leave you here and I'll pick you up on the way out. He says, no, wherever you go, Christ goes. Now, for the world around us, that's a good thing. That they can see Jesus Christ on a daily basis without ever coming to church first. We had, and when I pastored, we would have Friends Days, and we would plan special things, and I would look to preach a gospel message and have an invitation for people to bring their friends, and people would bring their friends in. But those people had built that relationship with him, and so the first time that they should have seen or heard about Christ should not have been on Friends Day. It should have been while they were with their friends who knew Jesus. And so that's how it is with us. My neighbors may not come to church when they first meet me, so I take Jesus Christ to them because He's in me, the hope of glory. Can, Can they see a hope when they see me? Or do they see the same thing in me that they see around them? And I had to check myself in in that this week. When there was a very good chance that I was not going to get laid off. My seniority level is is in the top third of social studies teachers. So there was a good um, chance that I would not. And so what was my life going to look like for those who worried? And we have people who the entire week, you could see it in their face, the worry that they had. There was a lack of hope that they would be able to keep their job. And then that was fulfilled on on Friday as one person after the next was called into administration offices. And and I saw one administrator go out to the outer office to bring tissues in. And and friends are saying, wow, you know, we've gotten to know these people over the last couple of years. We have a teacher who um, got awards last year for being one of the the best new teachers in the district. And and she um, was let go. But the amazing thing is, Um, she's a believer. And when you walked into her classroom, it was just like this big light came out. The the glory of God shining in and through her. Uh, If you you remember the transfiguration, uh, Jesus is on the mountain and and Peter, James, and John are there. and, And all of a sudden, all of the glory of Jesus Christ on the inside was manifested on the outside. And there was this brightness that shone there that really shook the disciples. They didn't know what to think anymore. 
They were afraid because nothing as bright had ever been seen. When you walked into this teacher's room and you saw the smile on her face, and, and she said something, and, and I said to her, I know you're not worried because I know who you're trusting in. And she said, that's right. And they offered her a lesser position, and I loved her testimony. She says, I need to talk to my father about this. I need to pray. I'm not going to just take what you offer. I need to know that this is what God wants. And this has been the testimony of a number who believe. But then I saw those in the building who did not have the hope in Jesus that, they would, that she had in him. And their response was our natural response. And with all, without Christ, all we can give is a natural response. But when we have Christ dwelling in us, when we have the Spirit of God who dwells in us, I like the way that Jesus said, he says, I'm going to send another comforter. And he says he won't only be with you to walk alongside of you, but he will dwell in you. When that happens, my response can be different. Now, it can still be the same if I don't recognize who lives in me. If I allow the natural part to, to just live itself out, if I allow the natural man to do what comes natural, as believers, we're not to do what comes natural anymore. We're to do what becomes spiritual because the spirit of God is alive in my life. And so how do I handle these things? And I was able to, to, to share with this young woman when we were a young couple with one child there and one child on the way and was working in consumer finance. And my manager told me um, in a couple of months, we're opening new offices. And, uh, and I imagine that you're going to be one of the top ones to go into that office. Um, and I was very happy and I was beginning to think of all the things that I could do that I couldn't at that time. And 24 hours later, I got laid off. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, you just told me 24 hours ago and you called me in today to tell me I don't have a job or downsizing. But I remember who I served. And, and I remember, Cheryl, um, I'm going home. I'm telling my probably at the time 38 week pregnant wife with a 21 with a 20 month old around the house. I don't have a job anymore. And. There was no worry, outwardly seen. There was no panic. There were no tears. We trusted God. And he came through. And I was able to give that testimony to someone who was believing. And again, the smile came there. I know him, and I trust him the same way. That's what God wants us to bring to the world around us. He never promised us that we weren't going to have difficult times. And some of the preaching that I've heard that makes it seem like if you're having a difficult time, there's something wrong with you. You know what? If you're having a difficult time, there's probably something right with you. And so I have this hope in me. I have the hope of glory at resident in me. So everything's fine. I'm good now, right? Not completely. Because he says, this is what I do with it. In chapter 1, verse 28 of Colossians, he says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. He says, he says my life now is about making you a mature person so that you can go out and live the kind of life that Jesus wants so that you can display this hope of glory. It doesn't just happen like this. I need to know, and Paul says, my job is now to teach. My job is now to proclaim. My job is now to warn. 
We sang earlier, go tell it on the mountains. In, in Luke chapter 2, the shepherds, um, what a vision they saw. Um, what a message they heard. And what did they do with it? In Luke chapter 2, verse 16, it says, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And then in verse 17, it says, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. They didn't keep it to themselves. Uh, Paul says, I have the hope of glory living in me. I'm not going to keep this to myself. Um, I, 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 I enjoy shopping. Um, for me, it's a hunt. Um, you know, I shared with some people, I said, you know, I'm dealing with, with some issues um, in my own life. And I said, and I know, I said, it's, it's messing me up. You know, he said, I hate the term mental health, but when you live it, you, you learn how to use it. And I says, I know that there's something wrong with me because I'm almost halfway through with my Christmas shopping. It makes you do weird things. I usually start Christmas shopping on the 23rd of December and leave most of it to the 24th. It's a hunt. Um, and, and when I get a great deal, I like to share the great deals that I get. Uh, one of my, my best, I went into Penny's and I needed some new um, shirts for school. And they had a whole rack of, of, of new shirts for $1.98 each. And then I had a 20%, I almost felt, I almost felt embarrassed to offer the 20% discount, but I got over that. And I, and, and I told people. You know, this is what happened. My, my son, when he would take him shopping with me when he was little, he says, how do you do this? And I said, it's a shopping anointing, Dennis. You have to understand. And, and, but whenever I did, I didn't keep the news to myself. For me, that's a big deal. You know, when, when you can walk in and you can see the sign uh, that says total savings, 600 plus dollars. And this is like, yeah, but I have something worth far more than that. The shepherds that night had something far more valuable than any sale that we could ever find, and they made it known. A few days later, when they took him to the, took Jesus to the temple, they ran into Simeon. And Simeon said, you know what? This is it for me. I, I'm an old man. I, I've seen, I've beheld the glory of God. I'm ready to go. Of Anna, it was said in verse 37 of Luke 2, and then the widow, and then as a widow, she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. And then it says, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of, this, of Jerusalem. No one kept this news to themselves. And so I have something in me. I have someone in me that the world longs for and don't even know what they're longing for. I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. What am I going to do with it? And this Christmas season, it's, it's so easy to get caught up with the things that happen around us. I enjoy the time of, well, I would enjoy the time of year more if I was in Florida, but I enjoy this time of year. I, 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 I love crowds, even though anxiety kind of makes me not want to be around them, but I can always escape the crowds. Um, I, I, love, I love deals, if I have enough money to, to get them. I love a great deal. Oh man, that's like you know, going out and conquering something great. When, when I can get something and I pay 20% for it or less. Um, that's a great thing. 
I love shopping um, on Christmas Eve. I have gone out on Christmas Eve only having one present purchased and come home a few hours later with everything that everybody asked for me. I love that kind of stuff. Um, I said to somebody, he says, well, what are you going to do on Christmas Eve now? I said, well, somebody's going to get an extra present because I'm going out. Um, <laughs> but it's so easy to get caught up in those things that we can forget about Jesus and us, the hope of glory. My mother um, was, a, was a cook by profession, and she cooked for dozens of people a day. And then she would come home, and there were only four of us in the house, and she would cook for a dozen people. And, and, and one thing about her, my mother fussed the whole time she cooked. And, you know, and I wanted to learn how to cook, and so I was in with her. And, and it was just like, why are you fussing about this? There was a joy that was there, and, and part of the mystique must have been the fussing because she did it all the time. Um, and she would just get, you know, Thanksgiving dinner, you know, there would be maybe eight people at the house. There was a 20-pound turkey. There were probably 12 desserts pies and cakes made. We were sending people home with a full cake and pie. Um, you know, I enjoyed those times, minus the fussing. I, I, I enjoyed seeing, and the smell, you would wake up and to the smell because you would get up early. Those things, but the holiday should not become all about that. I think it's great to have those things as part of the holiday. And now we, we, we meet on Christmas Eve um, because, you know, we have you know, my son is married and we had to split time and so we get them on Christmas Eve. Um, my daughter's idea and we, we say, oh, you know, we can go back to Christmas. She says, no, nope, Christmas Eve, I want it a day early. And I love seeing my, my, grand, my grandson, he didn't care what's in there. His thing was ripping off the paper, you know, ripping off paper, ripping off paper and seeing piles of paper. And then he would see what was in it. It was like, oh, okay, but hey, ripping off the paper. I love seeing that. But that's not what it's all about. It's a part of it. I love that joy that's there. I love the family and the friends that have gathered around. But what is it? It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So as, as you continue these next couple of weeks of the holiday, would you keep that in mind? Would you keep in mind that the world needs hope and you have the hope that they need? And you don't have to always say it first. At some time, somebody's going to have to say it. But live it out in front of them. Let them see in the middle of all the chaos around you that Christ, the hope of glory, is available and desiring to live in them also. Let's pray. Father, thank you. It's so good to be your child. And I thank you that you chose us. We didn't just think one day, you know what, I think I'll choose Jesus. You chose us. Father, you drew us to yourself. And now that we're in Christ Jesus, you hold on to us. Our hope is so far beyond this world. And we thank you for that. Help us not to be selfish. Help us not to hold on to something of such great value, but to share with the world, to warn them, to instruct, to tell them about the hope that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.